Hello, and welcome to Children of the 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies from the 1980s. I'm Jamie. And I'm Liana. And Liana, what movie are we talking about today? We're talking about The Karate Kid. The Karate Kid. Very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. Tell us a bit about The Karate Kid. When did it come out? Uh, came out in 1984. In the, I was going to say, I was hoping it came out in the 80s. Definitely did. Uh, 1984 came up to quite a lot of critical acclaim, actually, mm. and uh, did acclaim, really well. Acclaim is a strong word. Like it's a great the movie, New York but... Times, you know, gave it big thumbs up. Oh, it, right. it, so interestingly, it had, you know, and there was a, an Oscar nomination. It, it, so it was well received, and then it was kind of almost trivialized in mm. in subsequent years. But I have to say, what coming back to it and watching it, it is a really, it's a great film. It like, is a and great, I saw yes. a lot more in it this time. I think with a kind of adult perspective that I'm excited to unpack. But it's so great movie. Uh, came out, um, did well. One of the best grossing films of the of the of that year, ninety one million dollars. Yeah, that's pretty good for nineteen eighty four. Absolutely. And so, tell us a little bit about like what what what's the film about? Right. So, uh, Daniel Larusso moves from New Jersey to California with his mother. It's just the two of them. He starts school. He gets a girlfriend. He makes some friends, but he's bullied by the kids from the evil karate dojo across town. Yeah. And so the friendly Mr. Miyagi, uh, the super of their apartment complex, trains him to defend himself, and it all comes down to the big karate tournament at the end of the year. Totally, totally. So, and, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a classic kind of uplifting sports film in, in the genre of, you know, somebody who has to train hard. There are some fantastic montages, oh, as we I, love. As you know, I love lo- a montage. I love a good training montage. And this is interesting, actually, because there, there are two training montages in this. There's a kind of, there's the fast-paced, you know, um, pumping, like, working hard music. Mm. And then there's the mystical mystical kind of montage because this is not you know this is karate so this is not just about the push-ups it's about the philosophical the gaining of wisdom right it's about a maturation process for daniel larusso as he goes from being 15 to 16 over the course of this film well, as well. and this is what mr miyagi understands that the evil dojo coach does not just karate is not just the punching and the push-ups it's also the inner balance and spirit and painting houses and things like that. Totally, exactly. So one of the kind of great lines from the film, first learn balance, balance good, karate good, Mm. everything good, balance bad, might as well pack up, go home. So do you remember how you felt about the film in the 80s? Do you remember watching the film as, as a kid? So this is one of those movies, I think I've seen it enough times that it sort of feels like it's always been there. Always you know? been there. Yeah, like, I yeah, feel so like, like that too. Yeah, like I can't remember the first time I saw it. I felt like I knew it pretty well, but I found new things when I went back and watched it. So no, I, I must have seen it three or four times on VHS and things like you that. You might have even watched it on Betamax. Oh, I don't think we, I don't think ever, actually, I'm not sure I've ever seen anything on Betamax. No, we didn't have Betamax either. Yeah. We, we knew, we knew a winner when we saw it. How, 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 all how, the way. Exactly. We were on the right side of history from the get-go. <laughs> Tell me about your experience. With oh, Karate look, it's Kid. the same. I really have no memory of watching it for the first time, but I know that I kind of watched it heaps. It was a sort of film that was always kind of brought out at a slumber party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a big slumber party film. I yeah. think that's right. Um, it's just, it just got just enough edge that you sort of feel like you're getting away with something, but not so much that your parents won't let you watch it. That's true. There's a fairly sloppy smooching scene right at the end. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. That's yeah. right. You know, the other thing I, I realized watching this movie is it's a movie I've heard quoted many, many times. Some great quotes. Right. Like great for, quotes. for a movie that came out in 1984, it's almost like they're anticipating the rise of memes. There's a lot of that kind of 
So what was your favorite quote? What are some of your favorite quotes in the film? Look, they all come from Mr. Miyagi. Right? Sure, like, like, sure. He's like the source he, of wisdom. I mean, he's, he's, he's Yoda in this film. He is Yoda right? in this film. You could actually like stitch together just Mr. Miyagi's quotes and have a decent you know, 15 minutes short. Um, I'm going to have to go with wax on, wax off. Oh, great line. Great yeah. line. So I think one of the things that was really important for us about making sure that our kids had the opportunity to see the film was so that they would understand our frequent quoting of the film in context. Mm, yeah, I think they got a lot out of that. I sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. Stays yep. with me. You know, there's a music video. There's a 2007 song called Sweep the Leg. Yes. There's a music video yes. with shorts from this. Tell us more. Do you, do you, have you ever seen you the film? I know, I've told you everything I know about that music video. So I think something else, a quote that I don't remember actually standing out for me the first time around, but I don't know why, because it's, it's very powerful when Mr. Miyagi realizes that Daniel is kind of not putting himself out there, that he's, he's avoiding something at school and he's, he's kind of hanging back. Mm. And he says to him, you're spending too much time with me. I mean, it's good that we're kind of hanging out, but you need to be hanging out with your own friends. And he reflects this back to Daniel in the corking line, to make honey... Young bee need young flower, not old prune. Oh, yeah. No, that, um, yeah, that stuck with me. There's a lot of wisdom in that one as well. Now, actually, there is something that I remember about my reaction, not so much to the film, but something I learned about the film afterwards. And I don't know why it sort of shocked me so much. I mm. suppose it just says something about, you know, just being an idiot kid. But I couldn't believe that Pat Morita, who plays Mr. Miyagi, didn't actually have a Japanese accent in real life. Right. I was okay, like, yeah. what? 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 That guy's speak, the best yeah. actor in the history of the universe. He's amazing. I just thought he was so incredible. So I was watching it this time with that in mind. And, you know, I could, I could kind of see it. So an interesting thing about Pat Morita, actually, and, and his kind of very, you know, he's there playing this role of wisdom and zen and kind of resilience, is that he was rejected for the role the first time around. So he was rejected because he was too associated with his stand-up comedy routines and also because he was too well-known from Happy Days. And, you know, he has really? quite an American accent. And I guess I yeah. sort of felt he wasn't kind of iconic enough for the role. So he apparently had more than one go at this, the, the, um, uh, his screen test. And then he went and grew a beard and, and really kind of practiced his accent based on his uncle and came back. Oh, right. And nailed it. I wish I could see the training montage of him preparing for this role. That's something I'd, I'd watch for hours on end. Yeah, that would be awesome. So I do want to talk about the cast a little bit because, and I think this might be, this might be true of any time you go back and look at movies from you know, 20 and 30 years ago, but I keep expecting to do one of these movies and look at the cast and find, on the, find they all went on to great things. And I keep finding great movies time after time and you never hear from them again. And this movie kind of continues that trend, I'm sorry to say, right? So I love the cast. I love the movie. Elizabeth Shue pops up a few times. She went on, uh, who plays Allie, the, the, the girlfriend. She went on to do Leaving Las Vegas. Ralph Macchio kind of made a career out of being Ralph Macchio. He, he did. He did a lot of Karate Kids and a lot of Karate Kid retrospectives. Now, I do want to say one thing about Elizabeth Shue because yes. it's funny that, you know, she didn't go on to great things in quite the same way as she beat out the competition in her for the role was Demi Moore. Oh, right. Who, you know, you've never heard from again either. Yeah. That's a joke. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 yeah, I've heard, I've heard of her. Yeah. You're on it, you're on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I'm on fire today. And But the reason they cast Elizabeth Shue was because she was trending big in a Burger King commercial. So I've heard about this Burger King commercial, and it also starred Sarah Michelle Gellar, 
Nice. And someone else. Leah Thompson was the third one. Who's Leah Thompson? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you have no idea. I, the name you sounded familiar. You sound so cool. I, I thought I'd lead strong by sounding like I knew. So let's talk about other people who are knocked out of, uh, you know, knocked out of contention for this role, considered and then rejected. So Sean Penn. Was going was gonna to play Ali? That surprises me. <laughs> no. Daniel. Oh. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Charlie Sheen. More. Emilio Estevez, Nicolas Cage. Can you imagine Nicolas Cage in the role of Robert I, think, I can't. I, I find it hard to believe Nicolas Cage was, was ever young. Yeah, right? yeah I know. younger than 40. <laughs> Tom oh, imagine Because Nicolas Cage was in Leaving Las Vegas with Loves with a Shoe, obviously. Imagine oh, that. There you go. They're two very different Tom movies. Tom Cruise. I'm so glad. I'm not a Tom Cruise fan. We can talk yeah, about that yeah, another yeah. day. We'll have to review some 80s film that Tom Cruise is in. Can't think of any. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then talk about why I don't like Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise was also passed over for the very first movie we reviewed on this uh, podcast, Footloose. Yes, yes. But again, like, I mean, these are this is genius casting. This is the magic of casting because Ralph Macchio is... Is, you know, yeah, and, Sorry, and it's, I, I do want to say maybe we should call this podcast Tom Cruise near Mrs. No, no, I don't yeah. want to talk about Tom Cruise any more than we need to. Okay. Um, and Eric Stoltz also rejected for this role. Huh. But, you know, I mean, why Ralph is such a good, such good casting for this role is despite the fact that he apparently is 22, which is really hard to believe. Yes. Is he is, you know, he really just has that air of kind of innocence and youth and awkwardness. Yes. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and that's the whole thing too. It's, it's not just him about him learning karate. It's about learning patience. It's about learning inner resolve and having courage and all of those things. I did have that thought. So if this movie were made today, you would like the first time you saw Ralph Macchio without his shirt on, he'd be completely ripped. You yes, know? and he and, wasn't. And he at wasn't. All. He was skinny. He's skinny, and he gets he gets he does get stronger. Like you can see yeah. that as the film goes on. But again, he doesn't finish looking ridiculous. Yeah. He doesn't look like he's he looks like he's done two months worth of work. Yeah. And of course, the other kind of your favorite line: "Wax on, wax off." What I loved about this, I like a good looking house. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know the, the, he's there as a superintendent for this block and and the, he, they describe him as a superintendent but there's kind of a question mark he's mr miyagi the, the yeah. landlord or not I, we're not sure but you know they're living in an, a pretty you know ho-hum entry level apartment apartments. block yeah. and in the middle of a kind of strip mall-y sort of neighborhood and they go when he first goes to mr miyagi's house he goes through this kind of sandy parking lot with a bunch of cars and then it's like this little paradise yeah you know and that he's that he's built from scratch so the first the first thing that he gets him to do is actually sanding and so it's you know it's i think he washes the cars first oh you're right he does wash yeah. the car so the what is you right these wax on wax off yes. first so he washes and he wax i i spent plenty of time waxing a car and i definitely channeled daniel son for those of you listening to the was, podcast yeah, i'm doing uh, the hand motions Liana is actually gesturing <laughs> as if she's doing wax, wax on wax, wax off. off well because it made me feel like like mm. i was i was gaining something so he makes him wash and wax what is he got like six eight seven many cars anyway, five or six cars big cars and uh and it's kind of an all-day activity and then he gets him to sand the deck again you know the deck that he's put in and he's got the bonsai. And it's just this little kind of piece of paradise and tranquility in yeah. tradition. Yes. Um, it's, and very, it's a very Japanese house. Yeah, it is. It's very, but it's, it's, you know, it's sort of the appreciation for the aesthetic. And also the sense that he's really built this with love and patience and hard work. You know, right. it's not that he kind of found this beautiful house. Like he's built everything with his bare hands. And of course, there's a point at which Ralph is a or Danny, as a 15-year-old, completely loses it because he's like, I thought you were going to train me in karate, you know. Well, and fair enough, because at that point, he's got two months until this tournament when he's going to get 
beaten to a pulp by the bad guys, by this huge, blonde, 18-year-old karate master. <laughs> Terrifying guy. And it's, you can't, time is a little bit unclear, but it, it feels like he spent three of his eight weeks washing cars, sanding the deck, painting the fence, and painting the house. Like, the clock is ticking. Like, I, I can see why he's starting to get a little bit worried that maybe he's going to end not having learned any karate. So tell us about this, the, the great scene where he, you know, where he finally loses it. He snaps. Well, there's a He's great scene. He's being quite patient. Yeah. And, yes. then, and then he just says, I can't take it anymore. And then what happens? I can't remember. What does and happen? No, tell us. You no. do it well. Okay. Oh, you don't know? No. Oh, <laughs> so he, he, he just says, like, I'm out of here. You know, you're yeah. treating me like kind of free help, but I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, and you haven't taught me anything. And then he basically, he says, Daniel, son, wax off. You know, wax on, wax off. And he's like, and then he starts to do oh, the motions yeah, yeah. down. Yes. Right? So he's doing it sort of on the horizontal plane in the way that he'd been waxing. And he says, no, up. You know, and so he does. And then he realizes that these, that he's perfected through kind of hours of repetition with muscle memory. He's got the perfect moves for blocking. Mm, yes. So then, and then, so then he realizes that all of the wax on, wax off the sanding. And of course, there's also the paint, the painting scene, which is very yeah. reminiscent of Tom yeah. Sawyer. Yep. Getting his makes yep. to, 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 to paint the fence, that he's, he's learned a bunch of blocking moves. And so they then practice the blocking for quite a long time. And then he gets kind of cranky because he's like, I want to kick. When do I get to kick? Mm. So then he says, you've got to learn balance. And that's when we get the, the great line about balance. And he takes him out onto the rowboat, the rocky rowboat, and makes him stand practicing his balance at the end of the rocky rowboat until he, Mr. Miyagi throws him over the edge. There's a lot of very inscrutable training techniques in this movie. But it's great, right? Yes, it's just, it it's just gorgeous. And, 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 and I like the fact that it has a very gentle pace about it, right? And that, if they're making it today, I have the feeling that they would have compressed that into much less time and you've added three other subplots about the mom having trouble at work. I think that's right. I, and I liked, I really did like that pace. And the other thing that I have no memory of as a kid, but th that's the bit that really kind of struck me as an adult. There's a scene where Daniel comes over to see him, to see Mr. Miyagi unannounced. And Mr. Miyagi's in his full military uniform and has clearly been drinking and encourages Daniel to drink, which again, like probably more of an 80s moment <laughs> than a... <laughs> but he's there raising a glass to his long-lost wife. We, we, we do get through Mr. Miyagi's backstory fairly efficiently. It's right? very cleverly done, yeah. right? Like you get enough of it and it's a completely, just totally heartbreaking story. So he loses his wife and newborn son in one night while they're in the internment camp. And he's away fighting in Europe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So he was a soldier, a U.S. soldier in World War II, yeah. fighting in Europe. His wife, uh, his pregnant wife, was in the uh, internment camp, gave birth, died in childbirth. The baby died while well, he was still fighting. And he gets, and he gets the, the telegram. telegram. The other thing I had not noticed, there are a couple things I did not remember. Um, he pulls out a Congressional Medal of Honor, yeah. which um, sort of feels like they buried the lead a little bit on that one. That's a very big deal. Well, and so there's all that complexity of, you know, the American-Japanese experience of kind of the internment experience, so the, the sadness associated with that. And then it's been very evident that Mr. Miyagi is filling the father role yes. for Daniel. And vice versa. Okay. Well, but it's not, it's not until that moment, right? Uh, it's not until that yeah. moment that you realise that actually, you know, Daniel is a son that he lost. And so you also see, like, really early on, I mean, Mr. Miyagi's kind of a tough character, like he's, he's, he's gruff and all of those things, but he's really generous, so you, early on, he gives Daniel and his mum 
each a bonsai, which presumably he's yes. been like tending for to 20 for twenty years, you know, thirty, forty yeah, years. It's like the first time he meets them. You get this sense that he's sort of there, but he's he's just got this generosity. And then he also later on he gives Daniel what because you see in that scene where where he comes over and he's uh, you know Mister yeah. Miyagi's been drinking that he has a hand sewn patch that he gives to Daniel to wear in the competition yes. like he puts it onto a jacket he sews it onto a jacket yes or, you know like. yes so some things I didn't some other things I did not remember so first of all that the um, uniform that yeah, both he, of that, us that, that Daniel showing wears, our lack of karate yes that Daniel, whatever that's, that's called yeah um, it's a Japanese word that Daniel wears in the uh, in, in the tournament yeah <laughs> thanks it, it, that Daniel wears in the tournament was sewn by his Wife no, but that's what I'm saying. It was son. not the whole... No, no, the patch. The patch, yes. yes. So that's very generous. Yeah. I also did not remember that Mr. Miyagi gives Daniel a car. Gives him a car. Yeah, like one of the five cars. a classic car. Yeah. Yep. I kind of wonder if they put that in there to avoid any charge of, like, Mr. Miyagi's exploiting Daniel's labor, getting his house painted for free or No, something. I think it's about that generosity. And it's mm. also, you know, Daniel was so kind of a little bit frustrated about having to do all that work and then he didn't realise that actually he was kind of doing it yep. for himself. And of course, it also, it's the levelling out of the class thing because there is a class element to this. Yes. So um, the girlfriend lives in the big house with the fancy parents yes. and Daniel um, is waiting for her outside the country club that her parents are forced to go to and the bad dude, who's also, I mean, the, so we, we've kind of buried the lead. The reason that he beats Daniel up is because he's Elizabeth Shue's ex-boyfriend. Yes. And so he gets his kind of gang of thugs. And the reason that they're a gang of thugs is because their sensei at the karate, who's a military vet... Is one bad dude. One bad dude. And, he, and he's very clear that, you, you know, you learn karate to kill... <laughs> yep. Strike hard. Strike first. Strike hard. No mercy. The usual motto of karate dojos. No mercy. So this yeah. is this is going to blow your mind. The I'm reason ready. the reason that that's there is because this is semi autobiographical. Mm. So the screenwriter Robert Mark Kamen. Uh, that's right. Yep, Kamen. Um, when he was 17, after the 1964 World's Fair, he was beaten up by a gang of bullies, and he decided to take up karate to try and defend himself. And the first dojo that he joined had this horrible, nasty guy who was all about violence and revenge. Oh, right. And then he took up karate with a second guy who didn't speak any English, but was a Japanese guy from Okinawa, oh. Mr. Miyagi's from Okinawa, who didn't speak, yeah, didn't speak English, but taught him karate and taught him what he needed to know. And then, so there was this story, his own story, and then there was a news article that had been optioned. I, I find it kind of interesting, the idea of optioning a news article for a movie. But anyway, where a single mother had a son who got a black belt in karate in order to defend himself from neighbourhood bullies. And the screenwriter was like, this is fate. And so he merged the two stories into this this one kind of very powerful story. Well, and then there's a third piece of the puzzle, which Ooh. is the director, John Avildsen, Avildsen giving away our, our, our lack of movie knowledge here. So he had directed Rocky yes. eight years before. And so they had been talking to him about, could you have something kind of like Rocky, but different? So he was looking for a similar sort of training montage laden kind of underdog story. Yes, which definitely so, has this kind of vibe yes. to it. So, and of course, there was also, I mean, the name, these guys had to option the rights from DC Comics because DC Comics already had a karate kid. Oh, right. I'm glad they did. I'm glad they didn't go the cheap way and call it, you know, sort of karate fighter or something like that. Yes, yeah. And you mentioned earlier that there there were a number of spin-offs that kind of were Ralph Macchio's 
Yes, Ralph Macchio seems to have done quite well doing retrospectives and reunions. And it's funny, I think in part because no one can name anything else he ever did besides the Karate Kid movie and its and, 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 and the sequels. Um, if you say the name Ralph Macchio, you go to Karate Kid. Yeah, he's very, very he's very associated with it. And there were three sequels, in fact, as well as a TV spirit, series spinoff. Well, there's some sequels and also a couple of reboots. Well, that's say. true. Yes. I'm not even talking about the reboots. Because yeah. the re- the reboot that's much more recent. Yeah, yeah, Will yeah. Smith's son. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Like we're not we're, we're this is the this is the eighties version we're focused on. Yep. So a good film and super kind of uplifting. Boy gets girl. Boy shows courage. The final scene is very very well crafted, mm. and it shows you not just how evil the bad guy is because he he's so fixated on taking this guy down because he's had a standoff with. Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi's come to the dojo and said, can you yeah, kind of yeah. back off from my, my boy? And he said, why? And then that, then that's when they kind of negotiate this agreement that he'll back off in order... In, until the tournament. Until the tournament. You know, so they'll, they'll kind of leave him alone. So all his pride is associated with it. And then he, he gets the guy, he gets one of his second Secondary, ranks, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to do something that's against the rules. It gets him disqualified in order to permanently or take, to take him out take him out take him out can, take can, him I just, out. can i just jump in on the and say the tournament left me very confused about the rules of karate well actually um i thought that was a that was something they probably glossed over a bit but it was a very good scene when they turn up turn up to the the tournament and he says what belt are you and mr miyagi says oh canvas yeah jc penny 399 but the important thing is but but anyway it just becomes really apparent that mr miyagi has no idea how these competitions work doesn't know what he's doing he actually steals a black belt from the guy's bag so look over there you know pops it on him and they're both what's also really powerful is they're both like really stressed at that point yes like mr miyagi's clearly stressed and you know and uh and danny's kind of beside himself because he's he doesn't know any of the rules they're like working it out as they go along but fortunately Mm. the girlfriend knows a few of the rules so she's able to kind of This was an extraordinarily well-attended high school karate tournament. You say this, but I think high school tournament karate tournaments are really well-attended. You've got every parent there. You've got like like thousands. I feel like there are thousands of people. I've seen photos of kids, you know, on on Facebook, parents of their kids, and it looks exactly like that. Okay. Okay. They're in that big ring and they've got kids everywhere because they're rolling them all through from all ages. So they've right. got like, it's like a grading as well. You know, yeah, they yeah, so yeah. they've got little kids and they're rolling them through. You just think about like a da- dance performances that we went to with kids with sort of 700, you know, as soon as you get anything where the parents have to show up. Right. Then you're, 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 mass, you're, you're set. Mass attendance. Yeah, yeah. You're done for life. Tickets are sold out. Yeah. So Daniel gets injured. He's given 15 minutes to come back. Apparently that's the rules. If you're injured, you have 15 minutes to come back. And he manages to come back, and limping manages to do the crane kick. Yes, but you, there, there's there's actually two bits, right? So he he asks the medium guy to take him out. Yep. And in the semifinals. In the semi yep. yeah semifinals, and the, the kind of medium level guy. What seen again that I'd forgotten about? He grabs him, and at the end, and he says, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Yeah, he I'm apologizes so sorry, right after injuring him. Yep, yep. Mm. So that's kind of nice. And then um, and then the like super bad guy, the blonde dude terrifying guy the wrestler goes sort of does the same thing like a dirty trick yeah yeah, yeah. he sweeps the leg sweeps the leg sweeps the, I, I, same it's not leg sweep, i'm not sure you, are you not allowed to sweep the leg i well i don't know as we said the me. rules were kind of any there's lots of no, 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 he went on the leg he, he, he kind of cracked him across the middle of the leg like you're gonna like Nana's break a dramatic up. hand gesture here yes like, a, 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 a. <laughs> yeah as if i was waxing on on the horizontal plane <laughs> yeah 
Give me a lot to think about yep. there. Yeah. So, okay. and then and then he also does the elbow, like when he's down, he elbows him. You know. Yeah. 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 But then, of course, there is the the final scene. He does the crane pose. Yeah. And kicks him in the face. Yeah. Gives him a bloody nose. And then the other thing that you forget is that because he's earned the respect of like kicking the guy in the face now. Actually, but that's not why he earns respect. He earns respect because he continues to fight even though he's severely injured. Yes. That's why he earns respect. And which, again, I mean, I kind of wonder what the lessons we're passing on here are. But I feel like it's before concussion awareness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the bad guy gives him the trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the bad, well, yes. And then, I don't know if you remember this, but the beginning of Karate Kid 2, early spoiler alert, um, the beginning of Karate Kid 2 starts right where this one ends, and it's the evil coach breaking Johnny's second place trophy in the parking lot. Oh my. Yeah. So evil. Oh, he's so, so evil. So evil. Yeah. Interesting backstories. For that him, is one guy who probably is a little bit over invested in the success of some high school karate. Well, do you know, you've got your, what's his backstory? I mean, I'm sure it was explored in number two, three, and there was another TV spinoff about that dojo, the Cobra, whatever. Cobra Kai, yes. Yeah. In which Johnny and Danny LaRusso are then, the, I believe they're the actual coaches in that case. Oh. And they've got their, their yeah, I never starting. liked that. I don't know why, but I never liked when the kind of person turns into the adult and then passes to the, uh, I'm, that's at the point at which I'm out of this series, you know, mm. when the kid becomes an adult and then starts to... Well, you yep. won't like Rocky 12 or whatever it is. <laughs> that's what happens. The other important thing, of course, to talk about in any movie from the 80s is the music. Yep, great music. So we finish on the upswell of, you're the best, yeah. the best. Yeah. Now, I think it's important to know that that was actually written for Rocky 3 and rejected huh. in favour of Eye of the Tiger, which is, of course, actually a better song. So... Both great songs. Yeah. I, I, look, I don't blame Rocky Three for that choice, and I don't blame Karate Kid for picking yeah. it up. It's still good, right? Seconds. It's still like uplifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, we, and that you open early on with Banana Rama, but not yeah. one of the, their big hits. And the rest of the soundtrack is kind of it's it's fine, a bit syrupy. Mm. But you know, I, I mean, a great film. You, you you feel all the emotions. You feel embarrassment. You feel pride, excitement. It's, you, you really identify strongly with Danny. There's foliage. There is foliage. Yeah, there is foliage. And of course, there's Home a improvement. And a training montage. And, and well, arguably two training montages, because then you've got the balance one. With you know what I'd like to see? I'd like, I'd like to see a montage of training montages. I could. I reckon that could be arranged. <laughs> I could watch that all day long. Yeah, so look, Karate Kid, it held up very yeah, well. Yeah, two thumbs up. I'm yeah. putting it back in the critical acclaim area. Yep, absolutely. It's got these critics acclaim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And once we've spoken, that's pretty much the final I, I word believe from, that's the, it. Uh, from the artistic community. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Excellent. Well, that's all we're going to talk about with Karate Kid. Uh, be sure to join us again next time. And thanks for listening to The Children of the 80s.